hope the Lord spoke and because I'm I'm a worshiper and I'm trying to, you know, everybody else is worshipers. I'm trying to bring people into a higher level of worship. Because that's where your real victory is. Is in the worship. Um but he said there's three phases of warfare, praise and worship. I never heard that before. He said, Gene, you know there's three phases of warfare, praise and worship. And that makes sense because we have three levels of heavens that we have to press through to get to that ultimate place where God is, to provoke him, to touch him, to come down where we are. Amen. But then he said, after there's three, three phases of praise, warfare, praise, and worship, there's seven levels, how did he say it, of presence, praise, and worship. Because there's seven levels of heaven. There's seven levels contained in that one-third level sphere of where God is. There's seven layers within that one third level sphere and there's seven levels of anointing and that's how the anointing helps you press in the anointing helps you get to that third level but that the anointing god gives to us for warfare to help us kill that flesh that's in the way of god coming in thank you that's better Huh? Is it on? Okay. Um, so this is going to be an exciting time today. Um, God told me that he's going to, it's going to be a time for him to show off his love and his authority and transfer a blessing today. So we're going to go back into praise and worship so the ones that come in can step into the praise and worship. We're only going to worship for about 30 minutes. And I'm going to teach for about 30 minutes. And then we're going to do a demonstration that God showed me in a vision that's going to provoke him to move on us, through us, in a way that we've never experienced before. We got to be open to it. That's why he wants to go back into praise and worship. So our flesh is just completely out of the way. There's no nothing restricting God in moving in full power and authority in our lives. So let's look at the Second Chronicles twenty six five. It says he sought God. In the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. There's a lot of Christians out there that just aren't prospering. Because they've never been taught how to seek the Lord. You don't seek the Lord in prayer. You get God's ear in prayer. You seek the Lord in praise and worship. That's how you seek Him. Because there's no end to praise and worship. There's an end to prayer when He answers you. Amen? <laughs> 
there's an end to prayer when he answers but there's no end to praise and worship as you grow in Christ your praise and worship grows with it so you enter into another level of praise and worship that you haven't experienced before another another dominion of praise and worship so God is the one that makes us prosper. Let's look at the next scripture and we'll go back into praise. For the shepherds, the pastors, have become, become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord, therefore they shall not prosper. Isn't that good? And all their flocks shall be scattered. There's so much division in the churches because the pastors aren't seeking the Lord. And their mindset of seeking the Lord is prayer. That's not seeking the Lord. Worship, praise and worship is seeking the Lord. That's how you seek him out. That's how you find him is in praise and worship. That's how I got all these visions. I didn't get these visions in prayer. Nothing that God has given me, I've gotten out of prayer. It was out of praise and worship. Prosperity came as a result of praise and worship. Just like it says here. For the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper. There's our answer right there for, for the victory in the church. So it tells us the church is supposed to prosper. Amen. The church is supposed to prosper. And prosper means, if we remember in our teachings, that we are empowered by God to reach our goal. That's what prosper means. To be empowered by God, to reach the goal. And prosperity is means to live in my goals. To actually experience it as a lifestyle. To live in that goal. Amen? So let's dim the lights again. We're going to go in for 30, and I really want you to press in for 30 minutes with all your heart, with all your voice, because God wants to prosper today. He wants to release another level of prosperity into your life today. And you know, prosperity without God is in vain. It's absolutely in vain. It's like the wind going to and fro. We can never hold on to it. It comes and goes. We never hold on to it. God wants us to own something. Amen? And I'll show you in the scripture today. He wants us to own something that he gives us. All right? So let's go back into praise and worship for about 30 minutes a day is to get the teaching out today. We are blessed. Aren't we blessed to be chosen? We turn all the lights on. Blessed to be chosen. Blessed to serve Jesus. We're blessed to serve people. Amen. Hey, Pastor. How y'all doing? Charlie Brown. Praise God. Hey, Butch. How y'all doing? Dr. Lee, Sharon. You know, as, as leaders in the church, and it's kind of, we know how to get somebody born again. We know how to take them through that exercise and get somebody born again. But we have difficulty in raising them up. 
And that's what the revelation that God has given me is how to raise them up. And, you know, we can get raised up in a gift and be out of uh, maturity of relationship with Christ. I can get raised up in a gift. My body will be broke, busted, and disgusted. My body will be sick, but I'm operating in my gift. Amen? So the enemy lies to us and say, that's your sacrifice, is being sick. That's your sacrifice, is being poor. That's not what the Word of God says. God moves. Listen, God moves from the inside out in times and seasons. And he said, we were in worship a minute ago. He said, oh, Gene, he talks to me in worship. He said, time means inception. Season means development. Amen? So there's a time for an inception of God. There's a time for him to just come down and impregnate you with a vision, impregnate you with your destiny, impregnate you in the natural, with a human being being on the inside. There is a time. And we try to move that time up. We try to move that time back. We try to control that time through our flesh. And we cannot fight against God and win. We will never win. You know what? Because there's no grace on fighting with God. There's no grace on fighting with God. And, you know, he takes us through this vision the Lord gave me here, advancing the kingdom from within, learning how to flow in the witnesses of God, learning how to flow in the enemy's time and seasons. Where you had adversity, temptation, and opposition. You can't avoid those things when you're advancing in God. You're going to experience adversity. You're going to experience uh, temptation. You're going to experience opposition. You can't avoid them. But wouldn't it might be nice to know the signs when the testing is coming? The Lord gave me three things today. He said, Gene, I'm going to give you three of the big tests that actually causes movement, promotional movement. Now, we can win every test. We can pass every test through love. Loving God, loving people. But when we pass those tests, it just maintains my relationship with God. It just maintains. It's a maintaining test. But then there's three tests he showed me, he revealed to me that now these tests, if we get this right, will move us. Aren't you ready for movement? Don't you hate just to be stuck? We're not called to be stuck. I mean, I get frustrated when I get stuck. I don't know about you, but I need movement. I need movement. I need these rivers of glory coming out of me and flowing like they're supposed to flow. So I'm going to take you through some, uh, some, some teaching. These, the test we face in life fit in these two categories. Look at the screen. One, those that reveal what needs to change in us and those that prove what God has already accomplished in us. I can be in a, in a trial or adversity or opposition and know that God has accomplished, already accomplished something in me 
from my last trial. And, and God expects us to, to walk through this trial in my last victory. Don't worry about what's going on right now. But, but just walk through it in what, in what he's already accomplished in you. Because if you do that, you'll have perfect peace in every trial. Because when he accomplishes something in you, he's accomplishing perfect peace in you. There's no exception. The test, there's one exception. I didn't put this on the screen. We have these two, but there's one exception. The test, we don't know we're in. And these are the most difficult ones. Is the ones we don't know we're in. Let's look at 2 Kings 13, 8. And then he said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike on the ground, and he struck three times. Now this was the Lord's arrow of victory that was happening here. Over the Syrians, Syrians, I think I say it, say it right, but the king didn't have the victory in this. The prophet Elijah told the king of Israel to strike the ground with arrows. The, t the king took the arrows and he struck the ground with the arrows three times. Those three times only gave Israel three temporary victories. Aren't you tired of having temporary victories? I'm going to give you a revelation today that will keep you from temporary victories. See, what the prophet was wanting to see in the king, the prophet became angry and told him that if he had struck the ground five or six times, he would have destroyed the enemy. What was the prophet looking for? Passion. The church has lost its passion for God. Can you imagine striking the ground three times and saying, oh, I've, I've defeated the enemy, and, and not knowing that it's temporary defeat, and he's coming back around. Your passion for God, your passion for worship, your passion for praise, your passion for loving people is going to totally destroy the enemy in this movement God is doing this year. I want to stir up this passion today. Because God shared with me earlier that he's going to move in a way of love and power and a transfer on you after this teaching that you've never experienced before. So let's look at the screen. The prophet was not looking for the king's ability to hit the ground. He was looking for the measure of passion the king would express for his assignment. Where's your passion today? Are you excited about ministry? Are you excited about serving people? Are you excited about doing something for somebody? Man, that excites me when the Lord says, do this or do that. Man, I get excited. So the prophet gave the king a test without providing detailed explanation. See, if you're flowing in passion, you don't need to know the details. If you're flowing in passion for God and the passion he put in you to serve the people, 
then you won't know the detail. You don't need to know the details about the people. It's amazing how we can get into the details of the people and get so bogged down in their stuff. When if I could just deliver them passion, my passion with God, my relationship with God, that passion I have between me and him, I want to deliver into the people. Amen, that passion. Passionless leaders cost, it cost everyone who follows them. Whew, I feel it. Listen, there's not going to be anybody sick in this assembly. Because if there's sick people in your assembly, you have a passionless leader. You can't deliver God to your people without passion for him. I don't care you can preach that word, you can teach that word, but it's not effective enough to keep them out of a temporary situation. It's your passion for him that's going to set the people free permanently. Permanently. And this may sound a bit dis disrespectful, but I believe, when I say this, but I, I believe that in some ways God has protected the world from the church. Y'all believe that? I believe it. There are some churches he's, he's not protected the world from, but there's a lot of them he's protected the world from. And that's that spirit of religion. It's a deadly poison. It's a deadly serpent. The spirit of religion. We can tell them about the king of kings, but not much after that can we tell them about how to be developed in the king. How to become one with the king. Amen. How do, how do I do that? The reason is we, we have not grown enough in our understanding of the kingdom for him to trust us with places of power and influence. The church is supposed to have places of power and influence. The church should be in, in, in uh, the political realm. Influence. But he can't trust us because there's no passion for him. He's going to show you today, after this teaching, he is going to show you his passion for you. So hang with me today. Don't leave. He wants to show you his passion today. He got me stirred up about this. We can put it this way. The way most churches run the biz their business uh, would cause most corporations to fail. Amen? The way most churches run the business of the church would cause most corporations to fail. No, no entrepreneur is going to listen to a failed system. God is looking for passion, not details. And as we give ourselves to serve out of the true kingdom, values and lifestyles, God lifts the veil of protection he has created to protect the cities from the believers who are unprepared to wield, we wield such influence. That veil will be lifted. God will give you supernatural access into the places of influence because of your passion for him. Your passion for him. So we're, we're going to be tested in many areas, but there are these three tests I'm going to share now in particular that will have an effect on what God is able to entrust you with 
in this next season of wealth and influence. This, God told kingdom life. And when God tells a, a body of people, it does, he speaks to the whole body. Amen. It's not just this body, but he's speaking to the whole body. He said, this is the year of wealth and influence. But he told us it would not manifest until the last quarter. Until the last quarter. He told the women to get in place this, this first quarter to pray for the men. Pray for the husbands. Because it's the woman's prayer that's going to protect him from the enemy's attacks. Amen. While, the, while God is, is bringing the man into a time of inception. A time of inception. And your summer month will be your season of development. Amen. Three main areas of testing on the screen. Favor, authority, and resources. These are the three main areas God is going to test you before he entrusts you with a movement. We're going to start with favor. David was told that God had highly favored him because of his love for Israel. And and the Queen of Sheba said that in 1 Kings 10.9. Let's look at that on the screen. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He made you king to execute justice and righteousness. Listen, when God gives people favor, it is because he loves those who are under your influence. He loves those who are under your influence. That means that favor on someone has not reached its intended target. This is very important. That favor has not reached its intended target until others are blessed and benefited by your favor. It's amazing how we can hold on to favor and create a false identity. God's favor for you as a leader only positions you to give it to someone else. It amazes me that God would give us something as personal as favor and that it must be given away to reach its intended purpose. If God gave you favor and me favor, it has not reached its intended purpose until you've given somebody something they haven't deserved. That you've given somebody something they, have, they can't afford. That's favor. That's the only way a leader is going to grow in stature in favor. He's only positioned when he receives it. But he, it, it growth is caused when you give it away. And this carries an important revelation on how the kingdom of God works. Think about the implications of, of Queen Sheba's statement. God gives favor to one person, making him or her extremely powerful. All because his love for those who are around him. Have you ever been around a leader just that just absorbs that power and uh, abuses the people? That's a dangerous place to be. 
to use something that you didn't die for. God died for that favor for you. Jesus died for that favor for, you, for us. And this is how the kingdom of God works in movement. This is how it's going to work. You've got to give favor to someone. Or you'll never see this last quarter of this year in manifestation of wealth, which is the whole word, and influence. So let's look at the screen. If favor is given to me, it must benefit the people around me in order for it to be considered favor well stewarded. Favor well man. I want, to take, I want you to take on this mindset today because God's going to test us. This quarter, in the beginning of the second quarter, he said, I'm going to test my people with these three things. Isn't it amazing he gives us the answers before the test? It's amazing to me how easy. He said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is like, favor used for self-promotion is like the Dead Sea. Everything flows in, but is not flowing out. And that's religion, self-promotion. As you and I are favored by God, those under our influence should, should be better off because we are in their life. Isn't that right? Are the people around you better off because you are in their life? Are they flourishing in blessing? Are they flourishing in edification and building up? A generous lifestyle is the way of, the, of his kingdom. You've got to be generous. This, this is good. I feel God. This is good stewardship, and this is the way to increase into the things of God. So the big test of favor, let's look at Luke, Luke 16, 12. Here's how you can identify the test when it comes. If you have not proved faithful in that which, was, which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own? That is the true riches. So when we use correctly that which belongs to another, we become qualified for that which is our own. God does want you to own something. He wants you to take ownership because without ownership, you can't steward effectively. You can't steward it effectively. God loves everyone the same, but not everyone has the same measure of favor. God loves us all the same, but favor is measured differently. It is the reason behind one person receiving five talents, the other receiving two, and the other receiving one. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30. He's showing favor at different levels right there. These are illustrations of business transactions in Matthew 25, 14 and 30 that gives us insight into the nature and function of the kingdom of God. We need to meditate. The church leaders need to meditate on those scriptures to be able to understand how God distributes favor. How he entrusts us with favor. Because the church is not only ministry, it is business. 
It is business. And a leader should know how to do both of them. Because if you don't know how to do both of them, you don't know when the devil is coming in. You'll never know how the devil is getting access. Proper, proper use of what is another brings increase to you. Proper use of what is another brings increase to you. So if you're working for somebody, you're clocking in every day. Don't cheat that person on hours. Amen? You, we do our work unto the Lord. The Lord told me one time, he said, Gene, you know those construction projects out there, so years ago, he said, listen, build those projects as if I was going to do the inspection at the end of the day. Amen? So at the end of your day, look at what we've done. Because Jesus is coming around to inspect what we have done today. He said, what's faithful in another man? I want to be faithful in what Jesus, the man Jesus, has entrusted us with. Pick someone today you can show unusual favor to. I love to do that. When you show people unusual favor, man, you can see the power of God come on them. You can see that thing provoke thanksgiving to come out and start thanking God. Just thanking God. When we extreme, extend extreme favor to someone, that person rises in their place in life much quicker. A leader is no good until the people around him are better than he is. An effective minister, God sees an effective minister that has been successful, that the people around him can minister better than he can, that can teach better than he can, that can preach better than he can, that can cast out devils better than he can. Amen? That's a successful minister. And at some point, the Lord will have you sit down and just partake of the fruit of the success of the others. Amen. So that's the sign of a successful minister. So favor attracts favor. Never apologize for the favor in your life. Favor attracts favor. Never apologize for the favor in your life. Favor will attract the right people in your life. Sometimes the favor of God on you causes others to become jealous and accusatory. My extreme favor that I've experienced is a result of my extreme passion for God and my extreme passion for people to see them developed in God. I tell you, there's, there's a passion to get somebody saved, but you can double it, the excitement when you see them developed. When you see the enemy loose them from the, those grave clothes. Loose them. So let's pass the test of favor. By understanding these two things. Favor is, is, is good stewardship. That's what favor is. And number two, proper use of what is another's brings increase to you. If you can just remember those two things. When God gives you favor, supernatural favor on something. Know this, it's for somebody else. It's for somebody else. Number two, area of big testing is authority. 
Every person has a measure of authority and is to live under authority. Amen. Many believers boast in having all authority, but there is little in their lives to prove it. Amen. We as believers can boast in all the authority we have. But as I said before in the church, the church has power to cast out of a demon, but cannot tell the demon to come back, not to come back. That's authority. That's why we see success at Kingdom Life. We have power and authority to tell the demon not to come back. Amen? You may not hear me speak that over the people. I'm speaking that in my war room over the people. If you're not under the shadow of another man's delegated authority, you are under the shadow of constant death. If you're not under the shadow of another man's delegated authority from God, you are under the shadow of constant death. In other words, there's not going to be any life on your ministry. There's not going to be any victory in your ministry. It's a death cycle over and over again. If you're not under the shadow of a man of God who has been delegated by God with power and authority. So we must learn the difference between what is in our account. I love this when the Lord gave me this. We must learn the difference between what is in our account and what is in our possession. What is in my account and what is in my possession? John 16, 15. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit to you. God's going to transmit something to everybody in this house today. I'm going to do a demonstration up here with everybody. And there's, a, there's something that's going to be transferred to you. And I'll share with that later what that's going to be. All things have been given to us and are in our account. So if we are only able to use the measure we are qualified for, we are only able to use the measure that we are qualified for in our surrender and our obedience. I say, Lord, what are we surrendering to? What are we surrendering to? He said, you're surrendering to the new man and his elevation in you. This new man has to grow. It has to grow. It's going to grow. Everything Jesus owns has been given to us that we only possess, but we only possess what we have the maturity to hold on to. You've got to be mature to hold on to wealth. Our authority is used to uphold or restore the standard of God in any given situation. When I use my authority in God, it's to uphold a standard in any situation. We as leaders have to uphold His integrity. We have to uphold His passion. Jesus used His authority to set people free. Liberty is the product of true 
authority? Is there freedom in your church? Are the people free in your church? Amen. Because if you're operating in power and authority, no devil's going to be able to stand inside of that person that's sick. I've seen demons depart just when I walk up to the people. Because the devils see the authority. I've seen more demons come out of people that way than laying on hands on people. Because if I can just lock eyes with them, I know that I got the victory. And the demons will depart because they don't want any part. They don't want any part of that authority. Amen. Amen. Some leaders use their authority to keep people from sin. That'll rack your brain. Some leaders use their authority to keep people from sinning. Well, aren't we supposed to do that? No. Let's look at Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his transgressions will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes his sins will obtain mercy. Religion will keep you from sinning. Taking away people's freedom to choose is a misuse of authority. We don't do that here. We let God have his way. And I'm telling <laughs> and I'm telling you, it makes the leader's life so easy. You're not responsible. You're only responsible when you take possession of the situation. If they don't choose to mess up, they'll never grow up. <laughs> and I'm a candidate for choosing the wrong stuff all the time. Amen. I don't want somebody telling me don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that because I'm the person that will do it. <laughs> Amen. Because I like challenge. I like to face the challenge. Not knowing I was facing, facing a death situation. The death of my flesh so I wouldn't have to choose that way again. <laughs> I wouldn't have to choose that way again. Praise God. Authority is to be used to serve people, period. Period. Freedom in people under our influence is the evidence that we use authority correctly. God gives authority to keep people safe from evil and destruction and to give opportunity to reach their destiny. You'll never reach your destiny if you're not growing in Christ. Rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. This is how Jesus used his authority. Whether it was seen in his washing, washing the feet of his disciples or casting out demons from the tormented. Rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. In that context, we should look for every opportunity to use what we have access to God to make somebody else's life better. When I rule with the heart of a servant, I understand I hold my position for the sake of others. Isn't that beautiful? 
I hold this position for your sake. When I serve with the heart of a king, I live with an awareness of having unlimited resources at my disposal for the sake of those around me. Amen. Does the church have, have enough at their, at, 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 at their feet? Does the leaders have enough at their feet to meet a need? Super abundant. Most of them don't because they don't have authority yet. They have power. But until you have authority, God can't trust you with the wealth. When we serve with our identity intact, there is no insecurity in us to undermine the role of honoring another. When I serve with my identity in Christ intact, there is no insecurity in me to undermine the role of honoring another. When I serve with my identity intact in Christ, there is no insecurity in me to undermine the role of honoring another. As royalty in God's kingdom, we have access to realms of God's supply because we know who we are. Amen. A servant king, servant kings, access the storehouse of God in wisdom, revelation, understanding, including natural resources, needed to bless and excel the life of another. Amen. So let's look at the screen. Pass the test of authority by understanding these three things. If you just get these three things down because the test is coming. Movement is this year for the church. By you, number one, by using the measure we are qualified for. Don't use anything else but what you're qualified for. And that's your measure of growth in him. Number two, by washing disciples' feet and casting out devils. Number three, by releasing freedom and destiny into the people. Third area of testing is resources. Jesus taught about money and wealth in sobering terms. In Mark 10.23, he said it's hard for uh, the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And in 1 Timothy 6.10, he, said, he also taught that the love of money was the root of all evil. When Jesus expanded on the wealthy, having it hard to enter in, he added that it was an issue of trust. It was an issue of trust. The question is, how much is too much money? How much is too much money? Too much money is whatever amount replaces trust in God. God will never give a person money and wealth because he knows their heart, that they'll put their trust in that. When you put your trust in God, he's freely to release the wealth from your hands into the people. Knowing the purpose and proper use of blessing is the real test of life of obedience. Jesus told his disciples that these who left everything behind to follow him would obtain a hundred times as much in this lifetime. That was in Mark 10, 29 and 30. 
Isn't this quite strange that he would say that? It's almost, it almost feels that Jesus was saying, be careful, money will kill you, and if you leave it to follow me, I'll return it a hundred times more back to you. Did you get that? He's saying to leave it, but if you follow me, I'm going to give you a hundred times more. So that's always my sign to judge the fruit of people. I can't judge their soul. I can judge their fruit. Amen? Do they have a hundred times more? That's my sign to judge if they're following him. Obedience brings blessing. Maintaining a heart of surrender and obedience is what enables us to handle more without letting it, letting it destroy us. Maintaining a heart of surrender and obedience is what enables us to handle more without letting it destroy us. Israel illustrated something profound in this regard. As they journeyed from Egypt to the promised land, it, it, you know, it took 40 years. But look what God did in the wilderness. He sustained them. Their clothes, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. They wore the same clothes. And they hadn't even made it to the promised land yet. Can you imagine what the promised land is like? When there's so much glory in your wilderness that's accessible to us. That God can keep me cool with the cloud during the day. That God can keep me warm with the, heat, with the fire at night. That God can drop chickens out of the sky. No, he wanted... He wanted the best. He wanted quail to drop out of the sky. That's a delicacy, right? Quail. I've never had a quail. Carrier had to cook one. Praise God. And, and see, when they left Egypt, they brought all the gold with them. How were they going to spend it in the wilderness? So what they do? They created a golden calf. <laughs> All the blessings of God have the potential either to finance our purpose in Him or to become the thing we yield to worship in an idol. Israel learned the following God was essential and being sustained by God is more than what you could ever do. On your own. The wilderness was not God's goal for them. Trust was. Trust was. The destiny was the promised land where they would inherit houses, lands, crops, prosperity that they hadn't worked for. The church has to get this mindset off of them that they have to work for these things. We must know how to steward these resources of money well and opportunity well. All right, and this is the last thing. Pass the test of resources by understanding these three things. Don't allow wealth to replace trusting God. Number two, obedience brings increase. And number three, don't forget, don't abort God's sustaining power for a golden calf. Amen? The last thing on the screen. The three big tests of promotional movements. 
favor, stewarded well. That means you've got to give it to somebody else. Number two, authority. Knowing what's in your, our account and what's in our possession. Our account has everything we need. But we haven't possessed it because we're still infants. Amen. Resources. Don't allow wealth to replace trust in God. If you can get these three things down, because the testing is coming. God wants to put everything that you didn't work for into your hands this last quarter. That excites me. That I didn't have to labor for something. I'm entering into somebody else's sowing and reaping. Amen? Give me some praise for that. Praise God. Now, I want everyone, and guys, if you could help, I want these chairs in like a semi circle right here. I want everyone to come up because without this transfer, it's going to be hard for you to hold on to what's going to happen this year. John 13, 7, and Jesus said to him, you don't understand now what I'm going to do, but you will understand later. There's something that's going to take place right here. That you may not completely understand it, but I'm telling you, I was in my war room and God gave me a vision of this and, and I could not stop crying for two hours because his love just unloaded on me. Everybody come on up, come on up. And we could cut the lights off in the back. Anytime you follow through with something Jesus has told you to do or given you a vision to do something, there is a manifestation of his power. Oh, watch out. 